Well, it's so good to be with you, all of you joining us, our online family. Thank you so much for coming to church with us, even though you may be at a different location. All of the different locations that are joining us, our Adult and Teen Challenge family that is with us just about every week via uh, remote video. We love you guys, and uh, we're just believing for great things. If you take your copy of God's Word out, and if you will turn to the book of Romans, the book of Romans chapter 12, as we continue our series, One Another, A United Church in a Divided World. Next week, I'm going to be uh, speaking a message that's just simply called uh, a message to the church before the election, a message to the church before the election. And um, I'm going to stay, I'm going to just stay biblical. I got all kinds of opinions I got all kinds of opinions. I got all kinds of strong feelings. If you want to know them, uh, just just ask uh, one of the sixth graders because apparently my daughter told her sixth grade class all of my opinions. But the the my, my, the pulpit the pulpit is not my place to share my opinion. The pulpit is is my place to share the word. But I believe that God has a word for us. I believe that God has a word for for our nation. And uh, I'm going I'm to speak on that. And I believe that this word will, will get us ready uh, for that as well. So Romans chapter 12. Let me back up just a little bit and read the words of Jesus. This has kind of been our theme scripture for this series out of John chapter 13. This is Jesus to his disciples. The world is in chaos. And he's just about to go to the cross. And it looks bleak and it looks dark. And it looks like all things that they've put their hope and faith in are coming to an end. But Jesus says this. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. By this, all people will, you, will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I believe that the world is still looking at the church and as the church displays unity, displays harmony in a divided world, that it will truly draw people to the only one who is able to bring that harmony. I read a quote this week from Pastor Tommy Barnett. You know, it's, it's so, unity, unity is so powerful, it's no wonder the enemy attacks it. It's no wonder the enemy is after the unity And the harmony in the church, Pastor Tommy says this, what attacks a church's potential? What's division? And who causes division? Those who major in minors, those who make essentials the non-essentials, those who strain to see a speck of sin in others while missing the mountain of sin in their own lives, those more concerned with style than substance, Division spills out of the container of disunity and sticks us to worldly concerns when our focus should be on godly potential. And I believe that that's what the Lord is calling us to, not to focus on the disunity. We acknowledge all of the stuff that's going on in our world, but that's not our focus. Now to our text for this morning in Romans chapter 12. Verse 16 says this, Paul writes, live in harmony, say harmony. Live in harmony. Sing harmony. Well, okay, you don't have to sing. I am going to make you sing later, though. I'm going to make you sing. So just get ready. Some of you are like, I've been waiting for this moment all my life. I brought my my cassette tape. 
Pastor's going to call me up to sing the special this morning. If you raised in, were raised in a church like that, wave your hand. It was like, who has the offertory today, right? Um, but you are going to sing. You are going to sing later. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, because sometimes it's not. Say, sometimes it's not. Some, some of you are in a disharmonious. Can I say it that way? We'll say it the right way. Some of you are in a disharmonious relationship, but it's not your fault. You got to understand this because the enemy will pile on guilt onto you when you've done everything that you can to make it right. And that's not your place. So Paul says, as, long, as far as it is possible with you, live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We talked about last week that one of the things, one of the major differences between real love and counterfeit love, because there's a whole lot of counterfeit out there. There's a whole lot of fake. There's a whole lot of false, and it's not always dark. Sometimes the counterfeit is not demonic. It's satanic. Demonic is dark. Satanic glitters. And so it looks all sparkly and pretty on the outside, but at its core, it's evil. And so one of the things that we have to do, counterfeit love won't call anything else wrong. And we see this happening in our society. And so we as followers of Christ have to listen to the word of God, and we have to be willing to call evil evil and call it out and not just call it out but the bible says then that we can overcome evil i don't know about you but i want to overcome evil i want to call out evil i want to call it for what it is but i don't just want to point fingers at it that we are called to step in and be overcomers of that evil no matter how dark or bleak it is the church always has the power to overcome evil so how do we do this we overcome evil back to verse 16, when we live our lives in harmony. Let me break this down a little bit further and just talk through this today. We live our lives in harmony, number one, when we take our pitch from Jesus. We take our pitch from Jesus. When you start talking about harmony, one of the first things, how many musicians out there you played it? And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be generous. If you played an instrument in seventh grade band, you're a musician. So how many musicians out there? Come on, wave at me. We got all kinds of musicians. How many of you, how many singers out there? If you sing in the car, I'm, I'm include. I'm counting you. You're in on this. Well, one thing, one thing that those that sing like on stages and, and for real singers will tell us is that if you're talking about harmony, what are they going to ask you? It's in, har- in harmony to, in harmony to what? In harmony to what? If I were to call three of you completely at random out of the audience, how many singers? Oh, wait, less hands went up this time. But if I were to call three of you at random on this stage and be like, okay, we're going to sing a song in harmony, acapella, ready, go. 
Well, I'm not going to call you out, but I've got three people up here, and you guys thought that you were just singing in harmony at the end. You're not. You're going to sing in harmony now, except, and I didn't tell them this, but so um, the glare that you're seeing is real. This is, re- this, is, this, is, this is glaring in real time, and so what I need you to do is I need you guys to sing Amazing Grace and um, no pitch. No pitch. So, Corey, no, no notes. I've got my little pitch pipe there, but I'm not, and I don't need, no, no, Adam's not going to come in, and you're not going to find your notes around him, okay? You need, to, you need to get your note in your head. Get it locked in. What, note, what key are you singing and Get it locked in, okay? And I don't want you to come in halfway. I want you to come in all the way. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. Are you ready? What key's it in? We don't know. It's up to you. Jamila, this is your truth. I believe you for you're going to find, you're going to find your truth and key. Lisa, I want you to feel this deeply. Whatever you feel is going to, that is truth, Kisa, for you in this moment. Adam, lock it in. Amazing grace. One, two, three, go. Amazing grace, how sweet. <laughs> okay, that is. Uh, I've been to I've been I've been to I've been to churches. No, oh, no, wait, wait. <laughs> but that's that's y'all, that's the world we live in. That's the world we live in. That's why that's why the notes that are being sung by the world are grating at your soul. That's why you feel some, you feel it in your soul, don't you? Something's out of whack. Something's not right. The laws that are being passed, the, the, the rhetoric that is being spoken, you feel it in your soul because when everybody sings the song to their own pitch, and, and, and I said it, but that's the phrase that we hear, right? We'll speak, speak your truth. Speak your truth. Listen, you're entitled to your opinion, but don't call it truth. It's not truth. Call an opinion, opinion an opinion, and that's fine. You're welcome to your opinion. Men and women in our country have fought and bled and died so that you could have that opinion and your right to express it. Just don't call it truth. It's not true. And don't call me angry and mean when I call it out and say there is a truth. And don't call me and say, say well, you're not being loving. Your, your, truth, your truth all day can be that there's no such thing as gravity. But I'm actually not loving if I don't tell you, sir, if you step off the cliff, you're going to plunge down. You can have your truth all day long, but truth is truth. We have, there is a perfect pitch and his name is Jesus. And until we all begin to focus our gaze, our eyes, our life, our actions, our words, our songs, our preaching, our Facebook posts, our viewing habits, our rhetoric, until we begin to focus on the perfect pitch, there is only one perfect pitch. There's not a perfect church. There's not a perfect preacher. There's not a perfect sermon. There is one perfect pitch, and his name is Jesus. But when I put my eyes on him, and when I focus my life on him, and my family on him, and my job on him, then it's amazing how things begin to fall in harmony 
around that. Come on, can you just say his name? Say Jesus. Say Jesus. So we live our lives in harmony when we take our pitch from Jesus and we also live our lives in harmony when we sing the lyrics from the word of God. If Jesus is our pitch, then, then these are our lyrics. How many, how many of you have been riding in a car with somebody and uh, every, every family has one? They're the car singer. Come on, point, if, you're, if you're with family members, point at, point at the car singer. Who's the car, who's the, who's the car singer? I see all kinds of... This is what I love about car singers. Car singers sing loud and bold whether they know the lyrics or not. I mean, if you've ever been driving and somebody's singing, you look at me like, what are you even singing? What's the, what are those words? Like, but they're, but they're singing it with confidence, right? All right, here's, here's where you get to be singers. Are you ready? You're like, this is, this is my moment. All right, you're all singers. So a couple of, let's throw it back to Abba. Let's throw it back, a little dancing queen. All right, everybody get that in your mind. So what's going to happen is Corey's going to play, and then James is going to set you up, and then I need you to sing the rest of the line. I need you to step into this moment. This is your moment, okay? You've been waiting for this moment. This is your moment. Here we go, little Abba. Let's hit it. This is you now. Come on. There were several variations, even through muted masks. Uh, James, what is it? What are the actual words to that? Okay. Watch that scene, digging the dancing queen. Dig in the dancing queen. Watch that scene. Dig in, digging or dig in? Digging. Watch that scene, digging the dancing queen. Be honest. How many of you got it right? How many of you were so far off, so far, but, but you said, but you said, all right, let's, let's try again. How about some Elton John, some Elton John, any Elton John fans? It's okay. You can admit it. I get it. It's true. You're like, no, I just listened to Hillsong pastor. Stop, stop, stop lying in church. We're going to sing a little Elton. Here we go. This is rocket man, rocket man. Here we go. Rocket man. I didn't even see many attempts on that one. It was just like, yeah. What does anybody know? Does anybody know what comes after Rocket Man? Burning out. Almost. Almost burning out the fuse up there alone. Fuel. I would have. I would have gone with fuel. How many of you would have gone with fuel? I would have gone with fuel. But it's burning out the fuse up there alone. And see what you just demonstrated. Unfortunately, is the way a lot of Christians sing because they're singing loudly and they're singing boldly. They're just not singing the right lyrics. Yeah. 
And it doesn't matter how carefully crafted your social media post is. If it doesn't line up. If it doesn't line up. If it doesn't line We got to learn the lyrics. We got to learn the lyrics. That's why, that's why I always, we always got to be back in this. We always got to be back in this. We got to read this book more than other books. We got to read this book more than being on social media. We got to read this book more than we're watching television. We've got to know the lyrics because the world is ready for us. Y'all, the world needs harmony so bad. It needs harmony so bad. It's craving harmony. It's craving for somebody. Teach me the lyrics. I want to sing. I want to sing like you wanted to sing. Rocket man, you wanted to sing. You wanted the microphone. You wanted to sing, but you needed to know the lyrics. When we begin to sing in harmony, according to God's word, what happens is we begin to show people the word of God actually works in my life. It works in my family. That doesn't mean that I never go through trials. It doesn't mean that I don't go through tribulations. It doesn't mean that my family always acts perfect. It doesn't mean that we don't get sick. It just means to the very best of our ability, we live our lives. We speak our words and we live our lives according to the beauty and harmony of God's word. And when that takes place, the world will be drawn in to what we have for them. We live in harmony we, when we take our pitch from Jesus. We live in, in harmony when we, when we know the lyrics and then we live our lives in harmony when we realize that I don't always have to be the lead singer. What does the Bible say? Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. We realize that every axle needs his slash. That every fresh prince needs his DJ Jazzy Jeff. Every hall needs his oats. Every righteous needs the rest of the brothers. Diana Ross wasn't supreme by herself and JT needed to be in sync. We need people around us. I know, you're, I know you're good, but you need, you need family. We need each other. We need the church. We need our tribe again. And that's why I think Paul used harmony. That's why Paul didn't say sing in unison, right? He didn't say sing in unison. Unison is boring. If we all sing the same note, like that's okay. But the Bible calls us, Paul call, calls us not to sing in unison, but to sing in harmony. And harmony moves us from boring to beautiful. We live our lives in harmony, number four, when we let God deal with the off-key singers. We let God deal with the off-key singers. Let me read this portion again. It says, do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If possible, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Can I just tell you that I, I would love to just jump to the burning coals part sometimes? I'm like burning coals. I like that. God, could you talk? You're talking about my enemies burning coals. God, if you want burning coals on the head of my uh, on the head of my enemy, here I am, Lord. If you can if you can use anything, you can use me. But here's what happens when we begin to shovel burning coals directly onto the head of our enemy, we get burnt. And we begin to operate as less than God has called us to be. 
says, do not overcome evil by evil, but overcome evil with good. And I got, I got to tell you this, y'all, I, rest, I wrestled with this all week. I wrestled with it all week, and I was hoping to have it, like, by, sometimes I'll wrestle with something. I, I, I don't know if you find this, I'll re, when you read things in Scripture, do you read things in Scripture, sometimes you're like, I'm, I don't understand that. I don't understand that. Or you read something, you're like, but it feels like the Bible said something a little bit different. Can I encourage you, don't gloss over those don't gloss over those. Dive in. Ask God hard questions. And so a lot of times uh, before Sunday morning, I'll say, God, I don't understand this. Holy Spirit, I don't understand this. Will you, will you show me? Will you reveal this to me? And, and, and a lot of times, you know, I won't get it until Saturday night or Sunday morning. I got I to gotta tell you, I'm wrapping this sermon up and I still don't have it. But I'm going to wrestle in front of you here. Here's what I was wrestling with. I, I, I wrestled with this. I said, Paul, Paul, you wrote it. You just didn't do it. That's what I felt like. That's what I felt like. Let me, let me give you some examples. So Paul's like, Paul's like, if we read this one way, we're like, well, uh, you just got to ignore evil and, and you just got to do good to everybody. And, and I thought, Paul, you didn't do that. Do you remember when Peter opposed Paul? Do you remember when Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles and Paul said, I opposed him. I stood up to him. Face to face, in the middle of everybody, in the middle of the, in the, middle of the church service, I was like, Peter, I'm calling, I'm calling you out because you're saying one thing, you're preaching one thing. I'm like, but Paul, you said overcome evil by doing good, and now you're in like two apostles, and they're, they're like going at it, and, and, they're, and they're having this discussion. And then, and then I found this in Acts chapter 13. Uh, uh, do you remember the story? Do you remember the story? There was the governor... And then there was an influence, a person of influence. Um, some translations, his name in the Greek is Elimus, or, or, or other translations, um, uh, his name is Simon Bar-Jesus. I don't know if you remember this story, but you had the governor, and then you had somebody that by all accounts really was filled with this demonic spirit and this demonic influence, and he was influencing the governor um, by the way, side note, maybe I'll get to this next week, maybe I won't, but apparently it's possible for people with demonic influence to infiltrate government and influence government decisions. And I'm just saying we need to pray that down and we need to pray that out of there because if it happened in the first century, I think that it can happen today. But listen to, Paul, listen to Paul's response to this. Paul's response in Acts chapter 13 but Saul, who was also called Paul, Paul, filled, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. And so you expect Paul's going to have a word of encouragement. Paul's going Paul's gonna, to Paul's gonna sing a song. Paul's going to sing Amazing Grace here. It says, Paul, full of the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness. I've wanted to use that phrase this week. And I don't know if I was full of the Holy Spirit or not, but how, like, Paul, 
I, and I'm struggling here in my mind. I'm like, Paul, but how are you? How, how do we reconcile this, right? Because there's evil in the world and we need to call it out and defeat it. But on the other hand, Paul is saying to us, no, we got to repay evil uh, with good and we've got to overcome evil with good. But Paul, you're calling people out and you're calling things and I'm wrestling back and forth. How do I, how do, I do both? And, and, and I'm wanting to respond to an email because the crazy thing is the Lord doesn't just let me preach these sermons. He makes me live them out. And sometimes that's a little irritating because God, I'm like, well, this would be a lot easier to preach. But then sometimes I get people that are coming against me and I want to respond. I'd love to just type you, you son of the devil and hit send. And that would, I would feel good, but then I don't know if I'd feel good the next day. And like, how does anybody else wrestle with these things? Like, like this is life, right? I said, this is wrong. How do I deal with this? But I'm supposed to deal with it in this manner. I don't have it all figured out. I wish I did. I wish I could wrap this sermon up with a, a, a bow, but I can't. But here, let me give you a couple of thoughts. Number one, every time that I see Paul getting angry, because getting angry in and of itself is not a sin, right? The Bible says, be angry and sin not. Every time I see Paul getting angry, it's not about him. It's not because he didn't get what he wanted. And I started to ask myself, Doug, how many times when you get angry and frustrated, are you getting angry just because it didn't go your way? Versus I'm angry that the name of the Lord is being slandered. Or I'm angry the Peter eating with Gentiles. I'm angry that there's a group of people in our city, the, the, the impoverished or the oppressed or, or, or whatever. I'm angry that there's a people group that does not have access to the, to the resources they need and to the gospel. Is my anger, is it a selfish anger or is it a righteous anger? Is it a selfish anger or is it a righteous anger? And then the second thing, again, I don't have it all figured out, but just I think there's a difference in the direction of my anger, and then there is a difference between I can say something, but then do my actions, do my actions, am I responding with evil, or am I responding with goodness? So even when, even when Jesus called the Pharisees some pretty nasty names. What did Jesus do? Jesus went to the cross for those same Pharisees. Even when Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. He forgave Peter and he restored Peter and he made Peter breakfast. And, and even Paul, when he faced Peter, he didn't do it behind Peter's back, but he did it face to face. And that situation was brought to reconciliation. Even when Paul faced Elimus, it wasn't for the purpose of making Paul look good. It was for the purpose of defeating the evil and bringing that evil down so that a people group could be free. I believe, I believe that God is going to use anger in a righteous way, not in payback mode. Watch this, not in payback mode, but in blessing mode. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. What does that mean, by the way, heap burning coals on his head? I'm not exactly sure, and there's some different... Uh, thoughts as to exactly what that means. But one, this is, this is my favorite. 
This is my favorite. There was an ancient Egyptian practice, and where this scripture comes from is actually in Proverbs 25, where it says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, and you will get a reward. Where they think that comes from is an ancient Egyptian practice where they would take a a whole thing of burning coals, put it in a pot on their head, and it was a sign. If you saw somebody walking down the street, it means that they were walking in repentance, Saying, I was wrong, I was wrong, I want to turn from my sins. Isn't the goal of righteous anger not that you are proven right, but that somebody is brought to repentance? That's the, that's the goal of this. That's the, that's the goal of this. And so, and so when we fall into evil, we fall into evil when I try to do God's part. We overcome evil when I do my part and trust God to do his part. Watch this. When I choose to bless the other person who has wronged me, I'm not letting them off the hook. I'm placing them on God's hook. It doesn't say that the other person gets off scot-free. It doesn't say that the sin is not punished. It doesn't say that judgment isn't carried out and that righteousness. It's just that I'm not the instrument because I can't be used as the instrument of judgment and not have judgment come out in my spirit. And so I call it wrong. I call it out for what it is. But then I begin to bless. Then I begin to step into what God has called me to do. And God does what he does. There's all kinds of people in the world today trying to sing their pitch. There's all kinds of opinions, there's all kinds of thoughts, there's all kinds of this. And so, so, so we, we find this today as we're, hey, fo- hey, follow my pitch. Hey, get, di- get distracted. Hey, follow my pitch. Get, a- get offended. Hey, hey, follow my pitch. Take matters into your own hands. Hey, fo- follow my pitch. Repay evil for evil and, and all, all of these different things. And you guys are very trusting because, because I've, got, I've got the pitch pipe. And I've only ever used this one time in my life, and it was when we practiced this. And so you told, you told me the note to play, um, and I think I've got it on the wrong side already. And so I'm, I'm looking at what I think here is the, is the right note. And then I found, I found this out, Corey. Like, if you put your mouth over all of these notes, you can start playing this thing like a harmonica, right? I want to learn how to do that. But that wouldn't do these guys any good. Like, you need one note. And then when I was playing it, I was, Adam was like, don't play it short. Like, you got to play, play it long. And I'm like, well, it's the right note. And Adam was like, yeah, I know that's the right note, but I got to get the right note. And so they're all just wondering right now, am I going to get the right note? And am I going to play it long enough? Or we're going to end up with an amazing grace moment. But don't worry, Jesus will still work, even if you sing a little bit off, off pitch. But here's, here's, here's what I want everybody to see. Here's what I want you to say. Here's what happens when to the best of our ability, because we'll, because we'll mess it up sometimes, we'll, we'll get off pitch, we'll get off tempo, we'll get off, we'll get off rhythm, and then we, we'll, we'll need uh, Corey, I'm sorry, we'll need the Holy Spirit <laughs> to be talking to us, right? This is the Holy Spirit microphone right here. <laughs> Speed up, slow down. He's, call, he's calling the shots. So we've got to, we've got to hear the pitch, but then we've got to be in tune to the Holy Spirit. All right, all right, I got, off, I got off a little bit. I shouldn't have used those words. I let my anger get the best of me. Let me backtrack. Let me take that, that uh, 
cult, but when we, to the very best of our ability, tune our ears to the pitch of Jesus. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm more nervous. I, I know y'all are, but I'm nervous. So I'm not going to hit this right. But this, but this is what happens when, to the best of our ability, we tune into the pitch of Jesus. this auditorium. Those of you that are joining us at home, would you stand in your kitchen, the living room? Would you just lift up a hand and would you just begin to ask Jesus, God, I want to sing in harmony with you. I want to sing in harmony. Maybe the Holy Spirit would reveal to you in this moment just some areas where your life is off pitch, where it's gotten kind of out of whack. Would you just ask the Holy Spirit, God, put me in pitch with you. Put me in tune with you. Come on, let's lift up our voices. Let's sing this together. How great is our God. Oh, sing with me. How great is our God. And oh, you'll see how great, how great is our God. every head bowed and every eye closed, two quick questions. Number one, you're a believer in the house. And if you're honest, you would say, Pastor, I've tried to take some things into my own hands and I've made a mess of them. And I need to just get my life back in harmony with Jesus. And I need to allow Jesus to avenge me. I've been, I've been wronged. I've been hurt, but I've stepped in and I've tried to, I've tried to be the one heaping burning coals and I just need to release that. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, those of you joining online, at home or whatever location, if that's you, would you just lift up a hand and you can put it right back down and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I want to let go of the shovel right now. Would you forgive me of stepping in and trying to avenge myself? I release revenge. I release God. I don't want any part of that. I release that to you in the name of Jesus. And then with heads still bowed and eyes still closed, somebody, this word is for somebody today. You would say, Pastor, my life is 
out of pitch with Jesus because he's not my Lord and he's not my Savior. If that's you today in this moment, today is your day and this is your moment. As I pray this prayer out loud, I want you to pray this prayer right where you're at. And I believe that evil will leave your head, your heart, and your house as you come into alignment with the King of Kings. As everybody in the house prays this prayer, say, Jesus, Forgive me of my sins. I come to the cross and I kneel before you. Jesus, help me to live my life in pitch with the perfect word of God. Jesus, I want to live wide awake to the love of God and fully alive to my purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we celebrate with those who have given their hearts and lives to Jesus?